Welcome to another Conversations with Des podcast. I'm your host, Des Blanchfield, and today I have the pleasure of catching up with Joe Speed. Joe, you have one of the most amazing job titles I've ever seen. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I understand you are the, uh, quote, Watson IoT Auto Lab product owner. Is that correct? <laughs> yes, that is. That certainly is, Des. And real pleasure to be here with you today. Oh, thanks so much for making time. Um, firstly, how on earth does that job title fit in a standard business card? <laughs> well, luckily, uh, um, you know, IBM is big on accessibility. It's one of the business card options is uh, low vision. So I have all the official info on one side in uh, small type. And on the other side, in large type, I just have my email address and Twitter handle. And so when I hand it out, I say, you know, this here, this is official information, but I flip it over and I say, here's useful information. I love it. Fantastic. Um, look, thanks so much for uh, joining the podcast. Really appreciate you making time to be here because I know you live a very, very busy life. Um, you've had an amazing career path. Uh, and when I had a quick look at your background, I mean, it includes roles with IBM originally, then you've had some time at the Linux Foundation, uh, GLG, and now you're back at IBM. And now you're driving the uh, auto lab, if you'll pardon the pun, um, which must be an exciting place to be because automotive and IoT are probably in the top five rapid growth market segments worldwide, as far as I can tell. What drew you to this whole space of AI and IoT around automotive? Uh, so... A few things, you know, you, you go back a few years, I was heavily involved in uh, IoT, Internet of Things, and, uh, and I like cars, so I thought, well, I should be working to put these into cars. And, uh, you know, and I think it's a testament to how great a company IBM is. You know, it's, I, you know, I'm a technologist, right? My whole career is in technology. I like cars, so I build cars for IBM. You know, what could be better? Yeah, it's, it's a dream job. Uh, I mean, uh, one of the things that uh, I didn't ask you before this, but just a quick side question for you, you know, is there a specific career path that, that sort of leads to that space or, or is it really the case that it's just a, as it was at a, I mean, you know, as you said, it was a passion for you. Um, you know, if anyone's listening and thinks, oh, I really want to get into that, are there particular um, uh, degrees or, or steps in the career they should consider to get to where you are? I. Uh... I, I would. I think it's more just kismet yeah. and following your passions. The um, you know I've always had a passion for um, emerging technologies. Um, always been fascinated with uh, communications and messaging and uh, and mobile. Um, and you know did some pretty early work in some of those areas. And uh, and you know I, I've just had enough rich experience. Um, I, I think one of the things that's been quite good is, you know, I'm quite technical, but I'm also like someone who is, you know, comfortable talking to customers, talking to the public. And, uh, and I've got a, a pretty strong kind of, you know, product management, product uh, marketing gene. Right. And so if you look at my career, you know, I, I, I kind of ride that line between the technology and the business, like, you know, where business and technology intersects to me is, you know, very interesting ground. And that's that's where I live. And, you know, all the way back to school, you know, I got a double major in computer science and business management. And, you know, and that's the line that I ride. 
I, I think, yeah, it's. I think you really nailed it when you said that. You know, you follow the passion. And to me, when I look at a lot of the innovators around the world, and you look at the diverse backgrounds and the diverse pedigrees they came from, the the one consistent component is just following a passion and following a dream. It's almost like the. I think Steve Jobs once said that. You know, if you wake up in the morning and you're not, you know, you don't want to jump out of bed and go to work, then you're in the wrong job. Early on, and we 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 had a great conversation yesterday just to sort of talk about some of the things we wanted to cover. You you talked about some of the early things that you did when you you sort of came back to IBM in this space, and I remember you sharing uh, a quick anecdote around how you took some of the technologies and the IP that you had with IBM and effectively shared that with the world uh, along some of that open and collaborative and open source thinking. And uh, when you first took this challenge on, uh, and and I'd love to hear more about that because I remember reading a similar thing around um, what Volvo did years ago, back in about 1959, I think it was, when they invented the three-point car seatbelt. And, you know, prior to that, people didn't wear a seatbelt. Safety was sort of just thrown out in the air. But they developed this three-point seatbelt, and they wanted to increase safety for for car travel. And then they went ahead and did something that I don't think anyone had ever seen before. They gave it away for free. They gave a free license to use it to every car manufacturer uh, to use in perpetuity. Um, and it sounds to me like you did similar things to stimulate collaboration and innovation in your early sort of phase of getting into this role. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good analogy. You know, there's there's some things that are just um, too important, too valuable to keep locked up. Right. And so you look at, you know, Internet of Things, right? So, and you know, and back in the day... Um, you know, back in the day, it was actually the people in the space. It was all known as M to M, machine to machine, and uh, so there was a community of us that you know lived and breathed this. Yeah. And uh, IBM had some you know IP in this area um, that was jointly developed with the partner, and and uh, and but it was you know commercial, right? You know, it's commercial code, commercial license, commercial IP. And but the thing is, is if you're trying to get, you know, if what you really want is for all of the things to be able to discover and work with one another, if you want to create an ecosystem, if you want to, you know, build a market, um, it's, it's got to change. And, you know, I had some experience in this from uh, B2B trading networks, um, you know, secure kind of B2B things that that you know, you've, you've got to make it open, you got to make it interoperable. And, uh, and so, you know, certainly not by myself. I mean, there's a community of us that did this, but, um, spent two years getting this IP, um, given away, right? So gave all the code to Eclipse Foundation, gave all of the IP to Oasis. And that's how you get to where we are today with, um, MQTT being the IOT on-ramp for IBM, Microsoft, Amazon, most everyone else who matters, um, MQTT being built into, you know, uh, vehicles from now, oh, I don't know, something close to a dozen automakers, right? Um, uh, MQTT being ISO standard for IoT communications, right? Yeah, and, yeah. you know, and that's how you create an open, interoperable um, uh, ecosystem. And, uh, and so, you know, certainly I didn't invent the technology, right. You know, but I, I saw some value in it early on when, um, uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm a pretty technical person, but I'm uh, adept on some business issues as well. So uh, folks at IBM asked me to take over the portfolio of connectivity integration software. And, and MQTT was just a feature of these products. And so worked with um, worked with uh, Jerry Como and, uh, and engineering product management to get that carved out, given away to the world, and then launch the IBM message side IoT appliance, launch the IBM IoT cloud, and the um, and you know thought I, I really want something to show our vision what all is capable possible here, and you know I like cars and I thought that with vehicles with especially passenger cars there's something interesting here that you know they're industrial in one aspect right they're a rolling sensor platform they have a lot of things that are in common with other kinds of industrial applications, but it's also a consumer product and right and they have experience and people and interaction in these things so my thought was that by putting this into vehicles into passenger cars we would have this thing we could show that would be easy for anyone to understand right you know if i if i show you my use case is pipeline well if you're outside of the pipeline industry it doesn't make sense like you don't grok it yeah and the and but you know most people um like cars a lot of people have cars and so and some people are quite passionate about cars and so it's great that you know by you know hunkering down and you know or very early on what are the things you know car to go right so mqtt and every car to go um some of the ford product uh, it's now in uh, you know you see it now in daimlers and uh daimler truck and and um uh bmws and uh peugeot citron and so many others today I guess the key with that is that, um, and for folk who probably aren't fam- may not be familiar with what MQTT is, it's a machine-to-machine kind of Internet of Things-related uh, protocol for connectivity, right? And it's extremely lightweight. That was the whole key thing about it. I, you know, I remember when I think it was well, it's a few years ago now because it's, what, it's 2017 now, so it's like back in 2014 you guys did that. Um, the whole key with this is that this platform, as you're calling it, the, the, the automobile, whether it's a personal two-person seater car or whether it's a, a 40-foot-long trailer, everyone was trying to solve the same problem from a different approach with different protocols, different, you know, whether it was Bluetooth or Wi-Fi. I think the big thing with MQTT was it, it created an open open standard in the same way that TCPIP and IP addressing and domain names made it possible to send email. Uh, and I think that's a huge win for the planet. Uh, it, it, it's an astounding outcome, frankly, in my mind. But it, it's probably a natural one. You probably, I, I guess, you agree. But it, it's one of those natural places you get to that eventually it was something that should have happened a long time, happened at some point in time, and now the world's moved forward in great leaps and bounds, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, and it's it's uh, you know I'm just glad to see that it's happened and continues to happen, and uh, um, and you know it gives me great joy to go into Google Trends and look at the MQTT hockey stick relative to uh, uh, CoAP or some other things. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's gone ballistic, hasn't it? It is literally a hockey yeah. stick. It um, one other thing that you know one of the things talking about communications and protocols. One of the things that it has always impressed me with what you're doing is, you know, I think the success of anything comes back to the ability to communicate. And, I mean, you're quite literally a social media machine in many ways, and I mean that in a nice way. I mean, I, I love seeing the incredible things you're doing as you post them I and you put them across different social media footprint that you've got on Twitter and LinkedIn and so forth. And you've even got your own WordPress blog uh, at uh, mobilebit.wordpress.com. Uh, I mean, how do you fiddle that in? I mean, you must, you must live a 36-hour day and a nine-day week to produce all that content. How do you manage to 
integrate that social aspect of, uh, into your day-to-day work around communicating, getting it out there? I mean, uh, it's a no-brainer. That's a powerful and effective method. But how, <laughs> how does that how does that work? I I, I actually I. It's a bit of a sickness, you know. I don't spend as much time doing it as you might imagine, but the, um, uh, but you know, it's kind of like you know, you roll out of bed in the morning before work, or you know, you take a few minutes for lunch, and maybe some, you know, you a few th- thoughts come to mind, right. or uh, or when you're, you know, when you're catching a ride to the airport, things like that. It, yeah, actually, that's a. It's funny you should say the airport because it, I think there's these air gaps, isn't there? I mean, even though we we all live busy lives, uh, I find the same thing. It's I, I relate it back to when do I catch up to email? Uh, you know, there's those those times where you're waiting for an hour, an hour and a half between flights, or you're you're going through security at the airport and you've just got that hour to kill before you board, or you're on public transport. You know, even going across Sydney Harbour here, you know, it's 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 only about a fifteen or sixteen minute ride, but it's a nice window just to go. You know, what, I can just do this one one thing i'm interested though is like out of all of that you do i mean you produce an enormous amount of content even even though it, you're you're quite casual about it where do you think you get the most traction and an engagement um i don't know you know it's uh tr- i guess try to be interesting you know be amusing um yeah the uh i'm a little flippant at times like <laughs> um, so the IBM, the IBM annual report had uh, some things that my group, myself, worked on in uh, were included in the annual report, which is you know quite nice. Wow! And they were in the annual report at number ten. You know, it's a numbered list, and uh, and so I started tweeting something about you know Autolab, Ollie, BMW is in the top ten, is in the annual report top ten, and. Uh, our um, our chief marketing officer, he calls me up. He's like, um, Joe, you do know that's not a top 10 list, right? <laughs> I said, yeah, I know it's not a top 10 list. I'm just having fun with it. And he goes, boy, you sure know how to find that edge and ride it, don't you? And I said, I- I'll remove it. No, it's okay. It's no, okay. I like that. It's that thinking out of the box concept. <laughs> it, it, and that's that's where the differentiator is in my mind that you know if you can just have a bit of fun with it where it's it's a serious topic but you can kind of just skew it a bit uh talking about you know, serious and, t- yeah and if it's in social media you know i think it's okay to have a little bit of fun with words it's you know it, it's social media like you know you can't take it too seriously you no know? no and I, th- I think that's where people will, when you look at some of the big retail chains they're breaking social media because you, know, you look at what they're doing around influencer marketing and all they're doing is turning the kim kardashians into billboards and that's not what social media is about it's, <laughs> it's a conversation right it's a it's a completely exactly. different machine right? and, and in one aspect you know I don't know, like, what is the next Twitter? How do you get back to once upon a time when before it was IoT, when it was machine to machine, there was a tight knit community of us that just kind of worked the space for years. And we're on Twitter and we would have conversations. But, you know, now in Twitter, it really feels a lot more. It's a lot of people standing around shouting. Yes. And, you know, the conversation, I think, has really waned and it's sad and I don't know how to get it back. Yeah, look, I th- I think that's exactly the phrase that's on the 
the lips of millions of people in various industries. Um, and I agree, it is a bit sad. Uh, now, speaking of exciting innovations, I mean, you, you've got some a number of things running, but one in particular that jumps out that, that and I, I, I had the pleasure of standing next to this thing, watching it go around in circles at a demo at the World of Watson last year, and I, I, I watched it go backwards and forwards outside some great demos. Um, out of all the innovations you're running, one, one in particular that uh, I'd love to cover um, is around uh, Ollie uh, and local motors and so forth. And how, how did that come about? Uh, so that's an interesting one. And uh, I, Ollie is Ollie's a big hit. Everyone loves Ollie. You know, it's kind of the industrial design equivalent of Hello Kitty. And when people <laughs> see it, they want to they want to hug it. They want to take their selfie with it. They want to be around it. Um, it it's great. Uh, but how that comes about, you actually have to rewind a bunch of years. Um, so the, like I said, you know, I'm a technologist and I like cars. And, uh, and so I had been doing some work with, um, uh, bang then, um, uh, Q and X uh, and, TI. And then that changed to Qualcomm and some things with some Fiat Chrysler product. Uh, although back then it was just Chrysler. The, um, uh, so and uh, Jean O'Connell of Local Motors, you know, she heard that somebody at IBM had built an IoT advanced technology show car, and she wanted to find this person and tell him, "You need to work with us. We're Local Motors." And and so she came and hunted me down, and uh, and I said, "Oh, Local Motors, you know, crowdsource industrial design, you know, rally fighter, you know, uh, Corvette crate motor." Um, you know, like I knew all about what they do and she was really amazed by that. And, uh, and so, you know, we started this long relationship between IBM and local motors and, you know, Ollie is, um, Ollie is the, uh, fourth vehicle that I've built with local motors, um, here at IBM. And, uh, we did an open source, uh, uh, rally fighter with open source IOT software, open source electronics, you know, using open uh, communications and 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 all of it, and then we logoed it up like a NASCAR race car with all of the open source technologies used in it to connect it to the IBM IoT cloud. And uh, we did another one with UNLV Robotics Lab, where they have a humanoid robot, and uh, Local Motors printed the robot its own neighborhood electric vehicle that the robot could climb into and drive. Wow. And I got IBM to chip in to you know, help the UNLV robotics lab with what they needed to be able to teach the robot to drive its new car. And then we had the robot drive it into, uh, a big IBM event, uh, right there in uh, Mandalay Bay. So, wow. so we did that. We did a, uh, a, uh, 3d printed car on a, uh, on a EV platform that we built in a uh, IoT mesh, right? So multiple, you know, com computers in the vehicle um, running as a mesh with one of them as the gateway to the cloud and a bunch of sensors and actuators and then stuff tens of thousands of LEDs in the cockpit and underneath and wired it up to the cloud via Watson IoT for Automotive so that as traffic changed, 
the car would glow different colors. Oh, you're joking. That's hilarious. I like it. <laughs> happy, happy cat, sad cat. I love it. That's brilliant. Um, so, so we have fun. That's we amazing. Fun. The, one of the, I imagine, though, that um, people often make mistake of thinking that Ollie's actually an IBM product per se when, when it's really made by locomotors. Is that something you have to clear up quite regularly, the, the, the delineation between sort of what locomotors it, are doing it, and what IBM's doing? It, it is. And, you know, for those who pay attention, I think most people in technology have probably noticed that IBM is not so much in the hardware business anymore. Sure. So we're certainly not building buses. Um, but we certainly, you know, we 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 love people who design and build vehicles and other, and products and all kinds of things and we work with them we help them right we we collaborate and help and support them but yeah it's you know it's uh ollie from local motors you know you could i don't know you know with ibm or with you know some help from ibm but yeah, yeah. it's local ollie is local motors product right that you know that's those are those are my friends those are my customer that's my partner um, but I'm here to help them and help them be successful. So, you know, so the things that I do around Ollie, you know, I'm interlocked with, you know, the people there who own product management, own the vehicle. And, you know, we collaborate on, you know, what could this be? But ultimately, you know, I, I'm designing, building, leading development of, you know, what plugs into and is part of their offering, right? It's their product, not mine. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, look, and I, I fell into that same trap when I saw it last year at World of Watson. I, I saw the you know Watson uh, IoT et cetera across the top sign, and I was like, oh wow, that looks like an IBM thing. Um, but you know, <laughs> it, 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 as you said, you know, anyone paying attention realized pretty quickly it's not. And and I think it's a really nice, it's a nice blend of all the bit bits. But the I guess that leads to you know another question I had for you just on that was um, when you when you think about. Ollie as a concept and what you were doing with uh, locomotives with it. Explaining Ollie must be a fun challenge because you've got to cover such a broad reach of different audiences. I mean, uh, I guess the question is, you know, how do you go about conveying what Ollie is um, to different types of audiences? I mean, for example, when you're on the stage uh, at, at the likes of Walter Watson, where there's, I think, like 23,000 attendees from a business and technology sort of background and pedigree versus uh, more recently a room full of young and eager, excited school children. Is that a real challenge or is it really the same core message? <laughs> uh, it's 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 probably the same content, but told a very different way, right? Yeah. Um, the and uh, uh, <laughs> so and honestly, you know, telling it to a room of children is the the more fun and rewarding of the scenarios. <laughs> I can I can believe that <laughs> their little eyes would light uh, up. Yeah, the. Um, the best at it actually is my little eight-year-old girl. You know, I do this sometimes. We'll be somewhere and I'll be like, "Hey, Dylan, what's Ollie?" She's like, "Ollie is a robot. Ollie is a robot that you ride in, and you talk to Ollie and you talk about where you want to go, and Ollie drives you there. And if Ollie, Ollie has eyes, and if Ollie sees a wheelchair, Ollie will put a ramp down for the wheelchair to get onto the bus." Wow. No, oh, that's 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 a brochure right there. <laughs> yeah. So it, you know, it's when uh, when I first brought home little three D printed ollies to my kids, and I kind of explained to them what it does. It's uh, um, you know, my little boy's like 
Ollie? Ollie's a robot? Yeah. You tell it where to go? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So he takes his little 3D print one. He goes, Ollie, take me to Legoland. And then he <laughs> mimes running around the house with the bus. And uh, That's gold. You got to be careful about, you know, what you wish for because um, my children, they started comparing my parenting skills to Ollie. And I, I came up very short. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they're like, Daddy, can you come do this? Do you do this with our wow. kids? I'd love to. But, you know, I'm working. I got the stuff to do and go, well, you know, Ollie, Ollie would take us to the park. Oh, man. Ollie. That's... Yeah. That's Ollie interesting. Ollie would take us to the beach. Ollie would take us to Legoland. No. Now, never mind problems of geography and EV range. You know, and the fact that I live 300 miles from Legoland, you know, in, in my kid's mind they're very comfortable with, you know, they're going to have no issue with the future of transportation. Like for them, it's, it's, Oh, the bus drives itself. Great. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? When you put an idea into, into a fresh uh, new mind that, that hasn't had any form of barrier or constraint that it naturally just pushes to the edge of any potential boundary and beyond. I, I remember when I watched my kids sort of grow up, my kids are 12 and 15, and they've sort of grown up in that era where, you know, Wi-Fi is everywhere and, and internet's just there, and they think it should be free and everywhere like oxygen. And they, they don't think about what life would be like without it. And, and, and I remember the days of dialing up on friggin' modems, you know. Um, <laughs> I, 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 whereas my kids, I remember when my daughter was two, she picked up a picture frame. Right. And she started swiping it, trying to get the next picture. And she got really annoyed that the picture would not change. <laughs> I, I remember seeing a YouTube video there with a baby doing the same thing. It's like, you know, this tiny little baby could barely sit up. And the parent had had it playing with some pictures like that on an iPad then they put a magazine in its lap and it put its finger and tried to make the pages move and it didn't and and this baby pulls its finger up and looks at the finger pokes itself in the arm as if to say is my finger working oh yeah my finger's working and it tries the magazine again no no there must be the magazine that's broken <laughs> it was just the funniest thing now we could spend a whole day talking about just about Ollie um, but, you know, I mean, because there's so many big topics. It's like self-driving. It's an electric vehicle. Yeah. It can be fleet operated. It's designed to streamline transport systems globally. It's driven by smartphones. It's got Watson uh, intelligence behind it, Cognitive. Um, you know, you could talk about why 3D printed vehicles. And it, the list goes on. If you were going to summarize, Ollie, the things of the 3D printing and whatnot, how do you boil that down into sort of one or two key punchlines? Uh, well, I, I think it's... I think it's definitely the future of urban mobility. So, you know, and I think a lot of them will be Ollie's, you know, there will be others uh, that come about as well. Um, but this is, this is the way things are headed. Um, the, uh, I, I think, I think autonomy and not just, you know, like autonomous passenger cars, right? Like, so if I can go in rush hour traffic and read a book instead of driving, you know, that, that's nice. That kind of helps me. But when you do it, that it's, you know, mass transit. And because you don't have to have the driver, instead of a small number of large buses that come up long at very big intervals, you know, if you can have a constant stream of these small autonomous buses that are, you know, sustainably printed and uh, assembled and sustainably operated because they're electric, um, it's, uh, uh, and then you start to do work with those around how do you, you know, make them uh, more inclusive and accessible and, 
and working for all the citizens, you know, I think you can change lives. And I think, you know, there, there's some things there on the technical, you know, the self-driving, yes, that's great. That's very interesting. Um, but the implications of how you actually use that to change, right? So, you know, to take a luxury passenger car and before it wasn't autonomous and now it's autonomous, but you haven't really changed the form factor, right? But to, you know, take something like Ollie that is like, in terms of its like the 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 asphalt real estate that it takes up, it's got the same footprint as like um, a mini coachman, okay? Right. But it carries twelve people, right? It's you know a big glass box on wheels, and you know if I can fit twelve people in something the size of a mini, the um, and operate that sustainably. Um, and, and I think this, the crowdsourcing aspect, right, it just permeates it. So, you know, it's crowdsourced industrial design. It's, um, uh, with a community of engineers around the world, it's got open source software and, uh, it's, um, the, uh, the design was, you know, design, think, co-creation, right? You know, their people, our people, everyone together. Um, the education of it, right? Like the machine learning and developing the training set for the Watson for Ollie that, you know, we opened it up first to all IBMers and got 10,000 Ollie interactions the first day. Wow. And so all this crowdsourcing um, that we've done, and then, you know, you start to take that into where it goes from here. Uh, it's It's big. Yeah, it is huge. The, um, just in 30 seconds, if you could, because it's, it's a very big topic, but the term crowdsourcing is often misunderstood, um, and, and particularly we, we hear about it uh, in discussion with Ollie. If you're going to give us a quick 30-second summary of kind of what crowdsourcing has meant, Ollie, what, what would that sound like? Sure. So, you know, I often use the term crowdsourcing just because that's the one that's easiest for people to understand, but there's for people who are deep enough in it, there, there is a sense that, you know, with crowdsourcing, the way a lot of companies in, uh, do it, it is basically like, you know, you make, I take, right. It's not, yeah. it's yep. not a collaboration. And, uh, and what local motors does, what we in the open source software community do, um, uh, is something a bit different. You know, it's more about, co-creation right and that's not really a term we use in the open source open source software community but that is what we do and that is what local motors does around the industrial design and so it's you know you me all of us together working to uh solve a problem and uh and you look at things like you know even when local motors runs a design challenge and there is a person or a team who wins the design challenge the way the community then pivots and collaborates to, you know, then take that design and iterate and improve on it. And you see that, like, for example, with things like the um, uh, uh, local motors is doing the, the crowdsourced design of Airbus's new commercial drones. Right. And, uh, and so the winning design from that, you know, they had these volunteer and participant, you know, you know, aeronautics engineer and other people from all over the world all get involved. And, uh, and, you know, and it's people do it for because they're passionate about it. But, you know, local motors also respects and takes care of their community. Right. So, you know, if you win the challenge, you know, you get recognition, you get um, you get a prize. Right. You get cash, sometimes a lot of cash. Um, and if a thing is built and a thing is sold, it's you know, it's uh, it's um, you know, licensed under, you know, commercial attribution. So basically you get royalty. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. 
I, so, I think you, know, you do get to participate. There's a lot of models that have worked like that, and we've seen it. We've seen it in design. There's a project called Theme Forest that was um, created here out of Australia with a company called Envato, and they have a similar thing around the WordPress platform in software and design, where they've got this platform called WordPress, which is open source, but you can build themes for it or plugins, and they built this little online mart where you can upload your plugin or your theme and people can buy it and you can build these little modules into something bigger and better and in some some parts are free some parts are commercial and something you know, therefore some people are making money for their work and others are just contributing and i think that's a, a shift we're going to see and it's interesting that airbus is doing it you know at that scale we're going to see a shift to this mentality with the next couple of generations particularly our kids where that's just normal. The idea that one shop would do everything themselves would be abhorrent because it's a massive risk and cost and investment as opposed to just, you know, crowdsourcing per se. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, local bars, they really take the Bill Joy axiom to heart, which to, I'll mangle it, you know, to paraphrase, it's, you know, wherever you are, the smartest people aren't, right? Like, so, so no matter how good you are, no matter how smart and good your team is, there's somebody somewhere else that has a different insight, right? Some yeah. unique perspective or ability or background. And by opening it up and reaching out to everyone in the world, you know, that's how I think you can solve problems that are as big as the world, right? So, you know, urban mobility today, right? That's a $1.5 trillion market that touches 4 billion people. And right now, you know, if you're elderly, if you're disabled, you're in a wheelchair, you're blind, you're deaf, you got cognitive impairment, um, the today's urban transportation is not set up to serve you. And, no. you know, in the best cases, even if they provide paratransit, you know, what does that mean? That means you call 24 to 48 hours ahead, you wait for this weird little paratransit bus to pick you up, and then you are transported in isolation from point A to point B. So there's nothing there about, you know, social integration and, uh, and, you know, and being inclusive. And so, you know, that's one of the things that we're really determined um, to do as, as we go in kind of the, the next generation, the next phase of these efforts is how, how do you make this inclusive for all the citizens? And yeah. The and that's a, a big problem, right? It, it's 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 a difficult problem, um, and you know our contention is that it's it's a big enough problem, a hard enough problem, and an important enough problem that instead of any one person or group or organization trying to solve it themselves, it's something we should all come together to tackle. Yeah, and and I I think you you nailed it when you said that. Um... You know, this is a global approach now because some of these problems are too big for any one uh, country or any one organisation or company or business or even government to to tackle. We, as a segue, we we have a couple of um, projects here in Australia. One in particular that I'll mention called we call it Light Rail. Um, it's actually you know it's it's all driven around the same sorts of things, similar goals to what you're talking about. You know, the reducing of traffic, um, offering smarter, simpler people movement solutions. Uh, and in one in particular recently, um, we call it the light rail project here in Sydney, where we replaced cars and buses on the roads just moving independently with uh, smart tram systems. So they're, they're like a light train rail tram combination. And, um, and there's specific 
you know, zones where only those vehicles can go. You can't drive a bus or a, or a, or a car on their, their spaces. And uh, it's been so far a success because they run on time and they're, they're low cost, low impact, they're quiet, they take all the noisy random cars away. You know, there's no one being run over by a car accidentally anymore. There's protection barriers around them. And uh, the places where we're rolling them out, I've used them quite a bit, and, and, and they're just really good fun. And they're these big open things with windows. They're kind of like Ollie on drugs in many ways. And But, <laughs> but I think that Ollie's kind of a nice uh, uh, sort of, you know, uh, experiment in, in the smaller version of that moving around, which will, you know, I'm sure eventually you bolt multiple Ollies together. Um, and and I know that you've been working on, on some stuff around that. Um, in fact, uh, you've been working on this whole accessible Ollie thing um, and you've got a, a dozen different awareness programs and other activities. But one I saw recently was um, around Accessible Ollie. I think you did it in a town called Seaside, was it, in, in Florida, where you ran some uh, mobility workshops with local school students and they got to commute to uh, school on Ollie. Uh, tell, us, tell us a bit about that and how that came about and, and kind of what you're aiming to do and what came out of it. Sure, sure. Yeah, so uh, Accessible Ollie, um, and, and anyone who wants to know more, you can just search on online or on Twitter for a hashtag Accessible Ollie. Uh, it's, it's like I was talking about of what we've done is Local Motors, the CTA Foundation, the people who put on CES, and they have a long history of work with IBM in, you know, aging technology and aging, aging in place, aging gracefully kind of topics. Uh, and IBM, so, you know, myself, the Watson IoT, Autolab, and IBM Accessibility. So um, Drew LaHart, um, Eric Manser, Sheila Zink, uh, folks from IBM Accessibility, which is part of IBM Research. Um, so we started tackling this, you know, we had this idea of, you know, could we, could we, we crowdsource all these other things. Could we crowdsource this? And uh, and so we launched at uh, CES with um, uh, P Tech Schools, and uh, we had Soledad O'Brien, formerly of CNBC, uh, moderate, and Brett Greenstein, who's been a huge sponsor of all of this Ollie work. Um, just terrific human. When uh, we, we kind of laid out the vision, you know, this is what we want to do, and. You know, in rapid order, we've got, you know, MIT, Princeton, AARP, uh, Front Porch, which is an aging advocacy group in California. Um, we've been involved with the Hearing Loss Association of America and uh, um, uh, Ultra Haptics, uh, What Three Words, Mapbox, a whole litany of people have gotten involved. Right. And, uh, and what we're doing is this notion of, you know, can we crowdsource making Ollie the world's most accessible vehicle for the elderly and for the disabled and 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 make it an inclusive experience make it one that it's all the citizens are using it right it's not just like here comes the hand here comes the handicap bus right it's it's right. The, this is the this is how all transportation should be and our commit is that you know what we want is we want the world to provide you know work with us and contribute give take part and give requirements, designs, ideas, um, uh, uh, recipes, code, you know, all of this, and that we um, will show the first kind of milestone. It's not the end of the project, but we'll show a big milestone of this. Um, we'll show the vehicle at CES. So CES this year, we said, this is what we're going to do. And at CES next year, we're going to say, this is what we did. Yeah. And, uh, and, 
the but the intent is that you know all this work all this contribution we turn around and give that back to the world right so people can use it to go create you know accessible homes train stations uh subways hospitals hotel rooms all of these things look i think you've touched on a point there that 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 also um, sits really strong with me that when you talk about the stuff, it's it's about humanity and technology. I I remember watching Ginny Rometty uh, last year give a keynote again at, at Walter Watson in Las Vegas, uh, in front of sort of twenty three thousand close and personal friends. And over nearly two hours, it struck me that she didn't actually talk about technology directly. She spoke about the topics related to humanity, like medicine and automotive and music, etc. And I remember leaving the arena thinking, wow, the the head of one of the largest companies on the planet just spoke for a couple of hours and not once did she geek out. It was all about the impact on people and humanity. And, and just hearing you talk about it then, I imagine that, the, that you know, beyond the focus on the fascinating design and, and the exciting technology, at the heart of it, the key is really all about the, the, the why, right? As in, you know, why are you doing this and the benefit it brings to humanity. Is it, would that be a fair comment? Uh, absolutely. You know, Jenny is so on point, so believing so strongly in, you know, we don't talk, really talk much about artificial intelligence. We talk about, you know, augmented intelligence that, you know, how can how can we have technologies and things and experiences that work with people and, you know, help people, you know, how can we help people be, you know, a better, smarter, nicer, more productive you, right? And, uh, and with the accessible Ollie work, you know, it really is, it's putting people at the middle of it. And, you know, and I think the pivot that we did, um, one of the things that we did a few years ago of getting so deep on design thinking, um, it's, uh, uh, it's pretty phenomenal, right? You know, you, your way into these technical solutions is to, you know, my persona, empathy map, you know, what's my big challenges, um, uh, user stories, journey, all of these things. And, uh, and, and from that, and that, that basically, you know, cause otherwise you just have a bunch of widgets in search of a um, problem. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, so yeah, with Ollie, you know, Ollie does have some interesting technology and there's a lot more that's going into it. And, uh, but, um, it's, 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 it's not really about that, right? If we do our job right, um, it's, uh, it's almost like what Homer said, right? It's the, you know, when people get obsessed with, with step by step, they forget that the journey is the thing. Um, and that we're in it for the long run, right? And I, I, I see this all the time coming from a technical background myself that I constantly get frustrated that people spin their wheels building the system and they often forget why they're building the system in the first place. Um, now I, I, well, you know, if, if somebody asks you, is this a good architecture, you have to say, don't know. What problem are you trying to solve? Exactly. Now, I know that you've got some exciting news to share. Um, a couple in particular, I'll just just run through them individually with you, if that's okay. Um, I sure. noticed that uh, Accessible Ollie's taking part in the AIX Prize, and I think uh, I had a quick glance. There's about 147 teams competing. There's like, t- uh, uh, tell us, you know, what, what can you tell us about sort of X Prize in general? And I guess, you know, can you share some insight into how that came about and, and what, what your, your involvement around Ollie and, and sort of, you know, the AIX Prize is? 
Sure. Um, well, you know, XPRIZE is a pretty famous organization. They're, you know, really committed to driving innovation in a lot of areas, um, but especially is how it affects, you know, humanity and the planet, you know. So it's, you know, think, you know, tech for good, AI for good kinds of themes. And, uh, and so with the AI XPRIZE, um, you know, Local Motors, CTA Foundation, the other members of this uh, Accessible Ollie effort, you know, already down this path on um, using, you know, combination of, you know, crowdsourced design, um, cognitive uh, technologies, you know, Watson, uh, IoT, MQTT, uh, open source software, all of these different kinds of things to try to tackle and solve um, these problems. And, uh, and so, um, uh, so the XPRIZE community um, collectively got together and submitted uh, Accessible Ollie for the AI XPRIZE. Right. And uh, it's been accepted. And, you know, what I understand, um, there were something like 10,000 initial uh, entries, um, which then got whittled back to 800 or so and now it's down to 147 and so you know it's uh, quite a quite a winnowing process and but the xprize committee um you know in their discussions with local motors and uh, others and the accessible ollie uh, about this uh, extremely supportive right you know that it's wow you know this is instead of some obscure arcane kind of you know ai uh, research problem this is about how do we put put this in the middle of people's everyday lives and how do yeah. we improve the lives of the citizens and, and, uh, you know, really make the cities a better place for everyone. And so I, I'm extremely proud of, of what the accessible Ollie community has been doing thus far with, you know, the hackathons at MIT and Princeton with the, um, with the, uh, all the design thinking workshops uh, across North America and hoping to take it to Europe. Um, and the, you know, the prototyping work and things have been going on. It's, it, it's really, it's really quite amazing. And, you know, and I, I'm proud to be involved how I can, you know, I'm a, a mentor to the team and, and uh, and we'll we'll be seeing where it goes. And the X Prize, you know, it's a big long process with a set of milestones over several years. And so this is a a living, breathing thing. And and you know, it's it it's a big bus, right? It looks small from the outside, but it's really you know the secret is it's a TARDIS. It's uh, it's got room for everybody. So you know, we encourage uh, everyone to get involved and participate. And, uh, and maybe in the show notes, uh, we include some information about where people can go for that. Absolutely. I do like that reference to it, to Doctor Who with it being a TARDIS, because <laughs> that, that is very much the case, isn't it? It's, it's almost one of those things where in some ways, like, we, we don't really know how far that, that rabbit hole is going to go either. You've got another thing I, I saw as well, um, just recently around the, the TU Automotive Awards. Um, and, and I think uh, you've got some news on that as well. This is the 2007 because X Prize is long running, as you said. But I think this sure. is an annual event, the TU Automotive Awards. So. Yeah, so TU Automotive, it's kind of like the uh, Telematics Update Automotive. It's been around for years, and it's uh, I think of it as like you know, it's like CES for connected car. You know, it's right. kind of a different scale in CES, but you know, think that you know, there's exhibit and people talking, and it's uh, and there's a whole worldwide series of events. Um, but the the big one is uh, in Detroit in June, and June 6th they're doing the TU Automotive Awards, and 
we were um, very happy to find that um, uh, Ali, accessible Ali, that this work has uh, is a finalist for best mobility product of the year, and uh, uh, and so you know really excited about that and and that. Um, also, you know, just in terms of the, some of this work and my involvement and in helping to bring these things about, um, I, 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 I myself am a finalist for Influencer of the Year. So, you know, along with Doug Davis, the GM of IoT and Automotive at Intel. So I'm in good company. So wow. very, very excited to, to see what happens with that. Well, good to see you being recognized as well. I think um, all too often the, the champions of these things at a global scale uh, uh, sometimes don't get highlighted, but um, you know, I mean, I, I don't think anyone could possibly uh, uh, put a value on the amount of time and effort you personally uh, in, <laughs> invest in this. Um, and I'm, so I'm really pleased to see that's being recognised. Um, now we've had a great hour chatting together, but I, I, uh, before we wrap up, I, I mean, let's just throw some things out there around, you know, kind of what's uh, next in this space for for IBM in particular and and and, and your group. Um, in, inside the auto lab, I know it's hard to look over the horizon because you know things are moving at such a rapid pace and there's so much change. Um, but what do you see as the next natural phase uh, for this whole space in general? You know, around automotive and IoT, um, and if you'll pardon the pun, what's on the horizon, as they say, um, and specifically around you? Kind of, you know, where are you going with this personally? What does it look like? You know, what does what your job look like in the next twelve months? Do you think? What, where do you see the big, big shifts happening? Because you're, you, you know, you're probably the most qualified in the world to, to, to comment on this space. Uh, it's, I, I see great things. Um, the, the, you know, as we move from, uh, you know, highly automated to fully autonomous driving, um, you know, when you're no longer the driver, when there's no longer uh, driving controls in a vehicle, um, you know, who, who are you going to talk to? So all these kind of, you know, human robotic, HMI kinds of topics, um, you know, work that IBM is doing around cognitive spaces, you know, uh, cognitive rooms and the like that, well, you know, Ollie is a cognitive space. It's just happens, you know, it's a big glass box on wheels. It just happens to be a space that moves through space. And, you know, you've got these issues of how do I interact with the humans, right? The, uh, and both the ones that are in it, right? The riders, the passengers, um, the, as well as those around it, you know, the pedestrians and those who are embarking, disembarking. Right. Uh, the, you know, so I, I think there's really exciting things there and, and, uh, especially, you know, this, this idea of how do you make it, uh, accessible and not accessible like mentally meets, but accessible, like an amazing experience for all the citizens. And, uh, and, you know, some things like some things we'd already been prototyping with um, Princeton around Ollie Recalli, which is machine vision for Ollie so that it recognizes who gets on with what and did when they get off, are they forgetting anything? And so, you know, excuse me, ma'am, you know, don't forget your, you know, your blue box, your orange purse, your red ball, right? You know, for people with Alzheimer's or just, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or yeah. just frazzled parents for that matter. Um the things like the work with MIT around, you know, if you're a blind person, one of the issues with public transportation is where do you sit, right? Like, how do you know which seats are empty? How do you not accidentally sit in someone else's lap, which is really embarrassing. And, yes. uh, you know, then this is a problem, you know, so Eric Manser. Um, so we have designers on the team for Accessible Ollie who are designing the accessible experience who 
themselves uh, has impairments. So Eric Manser, he's amazing. He is he's legally blind, you know, severely vision impaired, um, can't drive and the like. And the uh, but he's also um, uh, like, you know, blind Ironman uh, triathlete. Um, he ran the Boston Marathon. He's been working with IBM Research around um, uh, around ultrasonic and haptics technology so that, you know, how could I go trail running or run a marathon with no guide person, right? Wow. You know, just, just unassisted, basically. And uh, so, uh, you know, so just thrilled to have him and others and, you know, so many people who are so passionate about this topic um, – uh, taking taking part of this, and I, I you know, I, you know, in my back, you know, I'm an engineer, right? And so I look at things as, you know, in IoT, we used to always talk about like systems of systems, system of systems. Yeah. And uh, it's great to make an accessible bus. It's great to make an accessible bus stop. It's great to make an accessible lobby and elevator. But if you can get all of those things to work together and to recognize and know people and understand their wants and needs and their impairment and how best to help them, how they want to be helped, how they need to be helped and string all of that together, you know, pretty soon you get to a point to where you've got a cognitive city. And, and I think that's, that's a huge thing. You know, I, I want to figure out how to get there. It is exciting. And I think, you know, it, in many ways, I, I see what you're doing with Ollie um, to, to be mirroring a lot of what we've seen in the likes of Formula One car racing, where, you know, for a time I was very anti-Formula One car racing because I thought it was just a silly, expensive place that people went around in circles and drank alcohol. But then I unbundled the whole thing and realized that, you know what, the carburetor in my new car has benefited from the technology developed to make Formula One cars go around in circles faster and faster. And the braking systems and the brake pads. And, and I think in many ways, you know, kind of all these kind of like the Formula One of cognitive people transport moving space and space, as you said, because there will be a time when things that are built in this program of work and these projects and, and engagements that will be, then be unbundled in many ways and put into other things. So the cognitive stuff you're talking around, you know, uh, don't sit there because there's, there's a sharp object sort of thing. I could see that being put in a home eventually, completely unbundled from Ollie to tell people that are visually impaired or, or starting to, to suffer from dementia to warn them of things like don't touch that, it's hot or um, that's sharp. And I, I think, yeah... The, I think it you know goes back to what I was saying before that the pace that things are moving and the rate of change is so great um, that sometimes it's overwhelming. But I think the, the important thing from my point of view anyway is that it's exciting and, and it's important to embrace it um, because other, otherwise you know it can be all-consuming and, and, and almost demonized in many ways. Um, look, Joe, it's been fantastic to chat with you. Thanks so much for making time to, to do this podcast. And we've, we've been talking for some time on Twitter and, and, <laughs> and, and so forth since uh, sort of late last year in the event at Walter Watson. Um, look, thanks so much for your time. It's, I can't believe how many amazing insights and anecdotes we've got from this. I hope you'll join us again uh, soon because we'd, we'd love to get more future uh, episodes with uh, updates from yourself personally and, and what's happening in your team and around Ollie. And, and in the meantime, we'll continue to uh, live vicariously through you and your Twitter feed. Um, <laughs> Joe, thanks thanks so much for your time. It's been such hey, a pleasure. Real, real pleasure, Des. We'll have to get you over here and... Uh... You know, I wish you'd been with me this week. I was uh, uh, at Local Motors Knoxville where <laughs> they had a gigantic CNC robot just going to town on uh, a fully 3D printed Ollie. So 
if you can imagine the size of Ollie, like the whole bottom third of the vehicle, printed as a single piece of uh, carbon fiber reinforced plastic, and uh, it, it's just it's mind boggling. And to think of what that can mean for accessibility in communities where you know if you need a different form factor, if you need things to change to accommodate, you just tweak the digital and print the real. And uh, uh, it's mind boggling. It's, it's an, it's an exciting time. I think it's official that you've got the best job in the world currently, <laughs> and I'm most envious. And, and I do look forward to catching up again soon and, and, and look forward to meeting up in person. Look, thanks so much again. We're going to wrap it up there. We've come up on the hour. Really appreciate your time. It's been a great episode, and, and I look forward to doing more in the future uh, with you and perhaps turn it into a series. Um, Joe Speed, global product uh, owner of the uh, Watson IoT Auto Lab, thanks so much for your time. It's been an amazing episode, and uh, we look forward to doing it again soon. Always a pleasure, Des. Cheers.